Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about talk now. About now talk about. She's taking care of her boys, so you know that she's not going to shout now. Shout now, she's not going to shout. So get your headphones ready to hear what it's all about. Hey everybody, in this episode I mistakenly say that my Christmas show is Saturday, December 4th. I'm only half right, it's Friday, December 4th, so when you hear me promote the Christmas show and you hear me say Saturday, December 4th, remember this warning, it is Friday, December 4th. Thanks, enjoy the episode. No Fun, the Jen Kirkman Podcast, episode 364, the first week of December. How is everyone going, as the Australians say. How are you going? How you going? That wasn't a good Australian accent. This is Jen Kirkman. I am a comedian. I am a podcaster. I've had this podcast for seven years. It's had other names. It was originally called I Seem Fun. Then it was called Having Funlessness. Now it's called No Fun. So if you're confused, don't be. It's all the same. It's all the same. It's just me talking to you once a week about what's going on in my life, going on in my head, sometimes what's going on in the world, if it relates to my life in my head. And uh, enjoy it. I always say it's a great podcast for doing the dishes too, or if you need a friend, in quotes, to accompany you while you drive over a scary bridge. I am part of the Misfit Toys Collective, started by Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap of the Never Not Funny podcast. Other Shows are uh, in the collective are Doug Loves Movies, Never Not Funny, Mike Schmidt's The 40-Year-Old Boy, The Todd Glass Show, and Jonah Ray's Let Me Watch Your Movie With You. Again, I have two comedy specials. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine and just keep living both on Netflix. But again, this is not a comedy special. This is sometimes funny, sometimes real, but always honest and real. What? I don't I don't even remember what I wrote for myself to say there. So... I would usually announce my tour dates here. There are no tour dates for 2020. I was in Sacramento, and then I did something in D.C., and then a pandemic hit, and now there's none. Um, If you are getting this, though, before Saturday, December 4th, I am doing my dysfunctional Christmas show online Saturday, December 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific time, which is 9 p.m. Eastern time, which is figure it out for yourself time zone in all other countries. But here's the good news before you decide you can't come. If you buy a ticket right now, you get to own the show for 48 hours after it 
premieres. So onlocationlive.com slash Jen Kirkman, get your ticket now and you will get an email, I think, when the show is over and you'll have 48 hours. I was going to say minutes. You have 48 minutes to watch it or your computer blows up and you have 48 hours to watch it. So there's really no excuse unless you're like, I don't have any money. Okay, that's a good excuse. But otherwise, you can come even if you can't come when it airs. And I'm really excited. I wrote my sketches for it this week. I'm doing an It's a Wonderful Life meets Thelma and Louise sketch. We've got Christmas in the Clink, which is a Hallmark movie spinoff sketch about Lori Laughlin in prison, falling in love with a prison guard. And uh, yeah, more fun um, guest star comedians. There'll be songs. There'll be something for Hanukkah. There'll be something for Christmas. Something for everybody. Something for everybody. So here we go, onlocationlive.com slash Jen Kirkman or go to jenkirkman.com. It's right there on the homepage. Or if you want, you can go to jenkirkman.com and click tour or go to my pinned tweet at Jen Kirkman and you can get tickets that way. So there you go. What am I going to talk about this week? Oh, I also just real quick, I have a Patreon. So I've already talked to the Patreon people for about 20 minutes before I signed on to start talking on this podcast. So every week for $5 a month, you get the video version of this podcast. You get to see me sitting here with my white Christmas tree in my living room and you get bonus episodes, bonus audio episodes on the Patreon. I do a 20 minute bonus every week where I talk about a story in pop culture or celebrity culture, which is not what I do on this podcast, but I do it on Patreon. And then you also get, uh, so the more you pay, 5, 10, 15, 20, the more bonus episodes you get. And then, again, if you're just $5 a month and you get the video version, you still get one 20-minute bonus episode for $5 a month. And at the beginning of every video version, I talk specifically only on video to the Patreons, and then I hit record on this here audio that you're hearing and begin the episode for you. So you always get a little extra every week on the video version. So there you go. And that is uh, how you support me because I will not be touring in 2021 either, even though there's a vaccine. Um, I will not be. So this is my tour. So this is a great way to support me and you can sign up and cancel anytime. I don't check your name and no guilt. We all, we all have uh, financial situations that ebb and flow, right? So there you go. Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. I don't do it for fun. I mean, I do, but it really is my job. So if you're thinking, oh, she got residuals from something. Nope, nope, nope. That is uh, one of my jobs and one of the ways that I pay the bills. So pay my bills for me, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. And what are we going to talk about this week? Oh, my solo Thanksgiving, losing weight is on hold. I miss my bangs. My therapist has a really dumb opinion about something. (laughs) Stop sending me unsolicited medical advice. I chipped my fucking tooth. Uh, conversations with my mom this week, the mystery of D.B. Cooper. I had never even heard this and uh, so much more. So much more listener emails about things that annoy you that shouldn't. So let's begin. Let's review how was your Thanksgiving, if that is even a thing that you do. 
I enjoyed my Thanksgiving. Now, I again, as I said last week, I'm not always going home on Thanksgiving. I find it, you know, again, it's the biggest travel day of the year, amateur hour. Some people only travel once a year on Thanksgiving and they are terrible at it. But, you know, I've got clear and pre-check and so I'm zooming through, but it's still a lot of people. It's still not my favorite time to travel. And then, you know, renting a car at the airport and, and sometimes the weather can be crappy in Massachusetts. Although, thanks, climate change, it's used to be like guaranteed to snow on Chris, uh, Thanksgiving. Now it could be 80 degrees. So, but you know, I don't always love driving an hour from the airport to my sister's house in inclement weather because I, it has nothing to do with living in LA. I'm a neurotic. Uh, I'm actually a pretty chill driver. It's funny. I have, do you guys know Jackie Tone? She is on the show Glow. She's really a delightful person. Um, I know her a little bit. We run into each other a lot and she's just, she's a big personality. And uh, we both did this game show together earlier this year and we were both driving on the same freeway. And again, during the pandemic, and I've talked about it on other episodes, so don't be like, what do you mean you did a game show? There was testing, it was a whole thing. Um, she was just observing me driving on the 405. <laughs> and she knows I do. She's got anxiety and she knows I do stuff with anxiety and stuff. And so we we parked our cars on set. And she's like, I've been watching you for half an hour driving. You're so chill. Like You look like you love it. And I do. I love driving. I'm a chill driver, but I don't love driving in bad weather because I worry other people will hit me. Anyway, the whole point is in my life of being a touring comic, there, I don't go back to the Jackie thing for a minute. There's, there's nothing more satisfying than finding out that someone was watching you in the wild. Does that make sense? Someone is watching you when you don't know you're being watched and you're being your total authentic self and it turns out you're being this like chill badass driving on the freeway who looks totally cool. That is like, I'm not saying I'm always like that, but it was, I was so proud of myself in that moment. I was like, please tell everybody. Now I'm telling you guys. So anyway, I, but if you see me driving in Boston in the freezing snow. I'm not freaking out, but I'm definitely focused, gripping the wheel and just praying that somebody who sucks at driving doesn't slam into me from the ice. So my point being that as someone who tours for a living, the thought of during time off doing more things that remind me of touring, like driving and planes, trains and automobiles, I'm like, ugh. So I've spent many Thanksgivings not with my family probably only spent a handful with them in the last 20 years, but I see my family a lot. So, you know, my parents and I might meet up in Vegas and then I'll go visit them on Halloween or something and then sit out Thanksgiving. So I see my family. We tend to do, I feel like the holidays brings a lot of stress to people, you know, and no matter if you're 80 or eight, your family of origin issues come up during the holidays. Everyone's together. Everybody's wiring from their parents. Now, 
their parent, like my parents have their own wiring that they got from their parents, even though they're all deceased. But then my parents act a certain way. And then my sisters act a certain way. Then I act a certain way. And then we all have our own behaviors. And then we all have our own behaviors together as a unit. So there's just, and this is every family. This is every family. There's a lot of stuff going on. And then, of course, even if you're having just an immediate family dinner, there's this bizarre expectation that it's supposed to go a certain way because it's this holiday, you know? And we all think we don't fall into these traps. Oh, I don't have that. And then it just, I don't know. You do anyway, right? So I felt my family did well not being together on Thanksgiving. And I, I FaceTimed with my sisters. My parents don't have that kind of technology. So we just talked on the phone. And every, my dad was like the happiest. He's, now, he was very upset at first, I think, about that there wasn't going to be a Thanksgiving. But then my mom and him ordered pizza. He loves pizza. He's like, I had pizza on Thanksgiving. Like, I don't think he's ever done that in his 82 years, you know? And uh, it, it was like, you know, I've spent Christmas on a train cross country. And one year, Christmas day, I spent, I think the stop we were in was New Mexico and the, not the train conductor, but the, I don't even know who it was, just someone working on the train on the Amtrak was like, Mar free margaritas. It's, and it was Christmas Eve. And I'm reading the, the, the book, The Dirt about Motley Crue. And I was like, this is an odd Christmas because it was the Christmas after 9-11 and I had gone to LA where I was kind of moving and I was like, I had taken a train to LA and I really loved it. And so I took another one to Boston for the holidays. I was a little bit out of my mind <laughs> in my twenties. And, uh, and so my family and I celebrated Christmas that year on like the 28th. Cause that's when my train got in. Anyway, my point is, I think my dad had never had like an alternative Thanksgiving before. So, and you know, I think everybody was just less Less stressed. That's not a word. Less stressed. And so I enjoyed it. And um, I ordered ahead at Whole Foods and I got all the sides. I don't eat meat and I don't even think turkey's that interesting anyway. And so I had all my sides and I picked it up Wednesday morning. And then um, brought it home. And did my version of cooking, which is reheating. But, you know, I'm making it, I'm not trying to make it sound like I cook. I do cook, but the instructions were put it in the oven 30 to 60 minutes. This wasn't a microwave situation. And so I had all my baking pans and I transferred everything from the containers onto the baking pans baked, whatever, 30 to 60 minutes. Then I put everything in their Tupperware and then I ate. Thanksgiving food on Wednesday, and I just made it Thanksgiving week. And so Thursday wasn't necessarily a special day because it was, you know, I'd already eaten Thanksgiving food the day before, but that's okay. That didn't stop me from enjoying it again. So I ate more and uh, was FaceTiming with my sisters, and I just felt this inner peace. Now, it could be the antidepressants kicking in. It's been three weeks. I don't know what it was, but I was... I was hoping that I would feel good on Thanksgiving and not like, oh, I miss my family, but we are in like the eighth month of the pandemic and there is so much pressure about being alone. You know, everybody 
everybody, I mean, everyone on my social media, I don't know if they were lying or they really didn't go anywhere, but good job, everyone that I know and don't know on all the social medias, on Twitter, on Instagram, I didn't see anybody doing a Thanksgiving that wasn't allowed by the CDC. I saw people saying, oh, it's just me and my husband this year, or I'm alone, or whatever. And if anyone I know or don't know but follow was traveling, they hit it, which is all I ask. Just don't promote your traveling during a pandemic on social media. It just makes people think that that's normal. And they'd be like, well, they were okay, so I did it. So just lie, just lie, just lie, everybody. Oops. So um, what was my point? Oh, so I felt good. And... I'm in this peaceful mode and then the weirdest fucking thing happened. I have this white kind of bone china matching set of, I don't know what you call them, like pans with lids. They're, They're for serving, but you can also stick them in the oven for reheating, but they're not, you don't like bake from square one in them. And I've had them forever. They might've been something even, I'm sure they had something to do with the fact that I was married 12 years ago. I think it was um, maybe on my registry. I don't, I don't know, but I have them now. And I put this rectangular large one in the refrigerator. It had all the stuffing and everything in it. And I shut the refrigerator door and then I piled some things too high. And then when, when I reopened the refrigerator, something fell and it fell onto the white rectangular bone china thing. And it broke off the handle of that said thing. And I went, aw. And as I was picking up the little white chips of bone china from the floor, I said to myself, (laughs) this is the second time this is coming up now, how chill am I that something breaks? And I just go, aw. And I went, man, I've really done a lot of work on myself. I'm not a reactive And uh, I just go, oh, well. And I said to myself, I am still just so content and happy. I am, I have my health. I have, my family's good. I have all this food. It is just a nice, quiet few days where I can just sort of not do any work and I can watch TV. And, And I actually said to myself, as I was picking up the white bone china, hey, at least it's not a tooth. And 10 minutes later, I chipped a tooth, a porcelain veneer that is not supposed to break. And I went, what the fuck, God? What the fuck is the point (laughs) of working on myself and having this true gratitude from a deep place? Not this Thanksgiving bullshit gratitude, but a deep contentment with myself because I walk in the light of the universe, and I chip my fucking expensive porcelain veneer tooth in a pandemic. I mean, I was, I didn't actually, I thought all that, but I didn't like yell at the sky. And I just, so I'm sitting there and I was eating a roll and it really wasn't crunchy. It was like a, like a piece of toast level, you know, flaky. It wasn't, 
biting into some, but by the way, I have porcelain veneers. I can bite into whatever I want to bite into and they should not break. Luckily, it's the back of the front tooth. So it's only annoying because I can feel it, but there's no cavity there. So it's not painful and it's not the front. When you get a porcelain veneer, they grind your real tooth down to a tiny nub, like the tip of a candy corn. And it's disgusting. And it's like discolored and weird. And then they put the tooth over it like a cap. And I have seven of them across my front teeth. Because since I can remember, my front teeth have been a problem. I knocked them out when I was little by falling off my bike. The tooth turned black because it died. Then we got a bad bonding job at some kind of cosmetic dentist in the 80s. I was all discolored. And then, I don't know, there was some root canals up top. And, and just a, but my teeth are just, have always been a problem, even though they look fine. But problem teeth my whole life. So finally, I saved up when I got my first job on Chelsea Lately, and I got veneers on six or seven teeth. And they said, yeah, they should last your whole life. On my wedding day, this is before I had the veneers, on my wedding day, I feel like I, I've probably told this story, but I can't believe it's not in higher rotation. I woke up on my wedding day and my front tooth, I think it was the left, the left one, you know, those two front teeth, was pretty much gone. Gone. Tooth was gone. It wasn't a fake tooth. It was, it, I, I'd had some bonding done on that tooth and uh, it broke in half. So there was like a quarter of my tooth left. And I looked like, if you saw it in a movie, you'd be like, all right, that's a little bit much, you know? And I'm like, I'm playing like a dumb southern person who broke their tooth on a beer bottle. It was from grinding my teeth or clenching in my sleep. And it just turned that tooth so weak. I should have known. So on my wedding day, I couldn't smile in any of the pictures with my mouth open. I also knew on my wedding day, I think I'm making a mistake. Now, if a tooth falling out disintegrating, I probably swallowed it, I never found it, isn't a sign, I don't know what is. But on your wedding day, when you don't know if you're doing the right thing, it's very hard to go, well, let's, let's cancel it. It's, it seems easier to go through with it and say, well, maybe I'll change my mind and if I do change my mind, it'll be a quiet divorce and I won't have to cause drama here in this colonial building in Massachusetts as I'm about to walk down the aisle with a missing tooth because I've been clenching my teeth in my sleep. I wonder why. wonder why I have all this anxiety. Well, because I have anxiety. I always had it since I was a kid. Is any of it relating to gearing up to get married and not wanting to. No, I'm sure it's fine. Again, not against marriage. It was just against my particular marriage because I just think it was not the right marriage for me. 
lovely person, just not for me. I'm sure he'd say the same thing about me. I actually don't think he'd say lovely person. I think he'd say I hate her. <laughs> but anyway, so I was like, why? This tooth will always, it's the same fucking tooth. It's the tooth that died when I was a kid and turned black. It's the tooth that fell out on my wedding day. And now it's the veneered tooth, same tooth. Now the back of it is broken. Now what's the big deal? I can afford to get it replaced. But there's a fucking pandemic and I don't want to go to the dentist and have them rooting around in my mouth, especially because... I haven't gone to the dentist. I've gone to other doctor's appointments. I went to my gynecologist. I went to get a yearly physical. I don't, I've been with my dentist for as long as I've been in LA, almost 18 years. I love this place, but I also don't trust them because the first week of the pandemic, the like days before we got told to lock down, I had an appointment, but I'd had a show uh, at the Irvine Improv that was canceled. And they were starting to slowly cancel things. And I went, I know this thing is airborne. And I know that we don't have testing, so we don't know who has it. And I also was sick. I had a fever and a sore throat. Which, again, I don't think it was COVID because it was like near people and no one else got it. But anyway, I... Uh, call the dentist to cancel. And they're like, why? I'm like, well, there's a pandemic. And I think, you know, everything's going to close soon. They're like, really? Like that was the receptionist. And I'm like, yeah. And also I have a fever and a sore throat. My doctor said I should just quarantine for 14 days. She's like, oh my God. Like she'd never heard the word quarantine. I was like, but you guys know that you'll probably be closing. Right. And they're like, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, you guys don't get it. And then two weeks later after the lockdown, they closed, but they closed like two weeks later than anything. I don't know. I just, I don't even know if they're open. I think they are. So I have to call them Monday morning. By the time you hear this, I've already called. And maybe they'll just put a little something on the back of it. I don't know. I just hope it doesn't mean I'm clenching in my sleep. I've tried to be cognizant of it and notice it. You can tell by the tops of your bottom teeth if you're grinding. They're usually ground down. And mine aren't. I think I just clench. Um... But I've been mindful of it. And I think that, I think it was just a weird combination of biting into this role and who fucking knows. It's just my teeth are my thing in this, in this lifetime. Um, I can always get a mouth guard or something. I'm not really too worried about it. But anyway, so I'm not looking for remedies on clenching teeth because I'm not even sure I do it and I know what they are. I just was surprised that the back of my tooth kind of fell off. So that was my Thanksgiving. But I I had called my parents right after that. I said, I just don't want to go to the dentist in a pandemic. My dad's like, I've been five times. They're like, it's fine. Stop being so worried. I don't know why they're not more worried. They're 82. They have pre-existing conditions. And they're like, nah. I mean, they're worried. They're not messing around, but I thought going to the dentist sounded pretty risky. So anyway, I talked to my parents, my, they, you know, when I was growing up, we had all old people on our street, just a row of houses, a widow in each one, Mrs. Wadsworth, Mrs. Stevens, Mrs. Daly, just house, 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 widow, widow, widow. And now 
each of those houses, all the widows have since died, is just families. And it must be weird for my parents to be the old people on the street. And they said there's a war of inflatable Christmas decorations in the neighborhood. Everybody's got the inflatable things. And it's weird stuff like that that makes me feel old. I I never saw kind of children-oriented Christmas decorations on my particular end of my street because it was always old ladies. It was always just, you know, you could see their Christmas tree through the window and they had some, you know, those candles in the windows, not obviously flame candles, but the plug-in Christmas candles in the windows. And now it's just weird. It's weird when time rolls on. And my mom was like, your father wanted an inflatable Santa. And I said, no, we don't even have an outdoor outlet. I mean, and then they thought they had to blow them up using their mouth. And I was like, no, what? <laughs> Can you imagine blowing up one of those with your mouth? Oh, anyway, I worry that my parents are sneaking off to the casino. And that's why they're in good moods. I don't know. If they're listening to this, Please do not sneak off to the casino in December. Please, dear God, please just wait for the vaccine. It's coming. It's coming. So, that was my Thanksgiving. Now, you know, it... I've made peace with that this year was, I mean, I had good things happen this year. I, I, I'll have some projects coming out in 2021 and not projects, but one thing coming out, which you'll find out about later. And then uh, it's a podcast. It's don't get too excited. It's not like I'm starring in a movie. And then, um, you know, like got some writing work here and there and it it just, it wasn't a terribly exciting year, but it was fine. And I learned a lot about myself and I did a lot of personal growth and had some hardships and got through them. And, you know, it wasn't a waste. Um, and now we're transitioning into that time of year where I just kind of want to be a blob and do nothing but watch movies and eat anyway. So that's fine. You know, that I would feel like that every December. But I definitely don't want to ever... You know, I've lived like there's a pandemic and I have to be shut inside. I've lived that way even when there isn't one. And I don't want to do that again. I want to be out and about living my life. So I really am excited about these vaccines. I hope it happens sooner than later. I hope whatever. I don't know. But I just can't. I can't picture it. I actually am having a hard time picturing what life will be like getting back out there. Um what will it feel like to be on a plane again? I I will have gone a year without being on a plane. It would be March 8th. I, th- I don't think there'll be a vaccine or anywhere for me to go by March 8th. And I think, um, God, I hope my fear of flying doesn't come back. I don't think it will, but I think there will be some apprehension. That's okay. It'll be different. But, you know, I I have so much flying under my belt. I, I, I think it'll be fine. I I I wonder how it will feel to get the vaccine. And if I, you know, like in other words, I get the flu vaccine every year, but I still would wear a mask on planes because I know that the flu vaccine is only 50% effective and you can still get a cold. And I know with these COVID vaccines, it's 90, 95%. 
But I wonder if I'll be thinking, well, what if I'm that 5%? I wonder. I wonder how neurotic I'll be. I hope not too much, but I hope that I'm not that 5%. I mean, I just, I don't know. And I don't know if you have the vaccine and you are one of the 5% that it doesn't work for, if that's even what it means, that if I did get it, it would be a lower load. I don't know. I don't know. I hope we don't have a bunch of assholes who don't believe in the vaccine and won't get it because we need this whole notion of herd immunity has to do with vaccinations. It doesn't mean everyone should get sick and then we all have the antibodies. Herd immunity is that most of us, all of us should get vaccinated. All of us won't, but there needs to be a certain amount that do to really make this go away. We need to give it nowhere to live. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how able I'll be. I don't know when we'll even be allowed to leave the country again and go to Europe. You know, I don't know. But I was just thinking, you know, I'm going to. There was something very confronting about, listen, I I never. I love living alone. And I think the next love of my life that I meet who wants to move in together uh, will be a big discussion. Because I don't, uh, I like having people in my home in one way, but there needs to be enough room for everybody. And uh, I'm not a good sleeper with other people in a bed. And that's not, that's, we've talked about sleep divorce on this episode. And, uh, you know, I'm saving up to buy a house. I don't know where I want to get that house. I don't know if I want to put roots down in LA. I don't know anything about my life. I feel like I'm 20, but I'm 46. And it's not scary. It's more just like, I don't, I'm completely ambivalent about where to live. I, I do have to live kind of in LA or New York for the business that I'm in. But um, it's, yeah, it's interesting. But I was having this conversation with my therapist about dating. And I was like, look, I get a lot of people that are like, you're my single, you're my, I don't even know, inspiration for being single. And it's like, look, I never said being alone is the way to go. I don't believe that. I'm, you've got to be fine with being alone when you are, and you've got to not give into the pressure that something's wrong with you if you're single. But this notion of pulling yourself out of that game completely, well, something is wrong there. I mean, you know what I mean? And sometimes it's like, look, the odds aren't great. And, and that's what I'm finding. So I'm at this age where, you know, I don't like talking about this stuff because I get the most ridiculous men listening to this writing me. I will never go out with any of you. So don't even bother. But it's it's like... This age I'm in where I'm, I don't want to do dating apps, but I, I said to my therapist, in the sense of the universe, a power greater than myself, to show that I'm willing, I will get on them. But I know in my heart that when I have another relationship, it'll be because I met the person for the first time in person. I don't think I'm going to meet someone on these apps, but I will join them in the spirit of having a new attitude about everything. So I, I made this decision. I said to my therapist, I'm going to act as if I'm someone that's actively looking and interested in having a relationship. 
Because I know that someday I will be, but you don't really sit around and wait to feel like it because the more you wait, the more you get set in your ways. And I've enjoyed being in relationships the times I've been in them. Sometimes it's hard for me because I feel sometimes constricted, but the right ones don't make you feel that way, right? So I said, I'm going to act as if I'm someone who wants this and I'm enjoying the apps and it's a nightmare. I am not someone who has fun on them or like, oh, look at this, look at that. I, I check them with one eye open once a week <laughs> and I don't, I have a couple friends who, um, you know, they're guiding me through the process, but I hate it. I, I don't, I, I, I like people that are kind of in my same business. Um, and, you know, it's a difficult age because when you're 46 and men your age, they don't put 46 that they're, and, and this is what, like, I don't know how to put it. Younger men will always put that they'll date older women, but men in their 40s and and 50, they very rarely will put, like, you can pick what ages, you know, anyone that doesn't do them, so you, if you're 50, you can put, I want to meet people between the ages of 30 and 50 or whatever. And guys that are 50 will put, like, I want to meet people between the ages of 30 and 40. Or it's not, not always, obviously, but, you know, I'm a vain person. I, I like what I like, and I like a certain kind of guy. And those guys aren't on dating apps. Do you know what I mean? Um, I like a certain look. I have many looks that I can get into, but so far, none of them have been on these apps. These are like ultra masculine, just not my thing. And I think that I'm just in between worlds in terms of what I find attractive. And it's not what most women find attractive. And, you know, the senses of humor are so corny. I'm just like, oh man, like, yeah, this is just, it, it actually is depressing. And I, that's why I hate like getting hit on by like fans or guys who leave comments on Instagram, like you're beautiful or I would date you. It's like anyone I'm interested in, like is usually not interested in me back. And it's so painful to have hundreds of people that are just, <laughs> just like so earnest and dorky, not dorky in a bad way, but like earnest and like fans, like, mm. like no woman wants this like guy who's like, I'm a fan. I think you're beautiful. And, and takes every post that I put on Instagram as totally earnest. You know, it's like me in a mask, like still beautiful, even under the mask. Like, Shut up. And I know guys are going, don't you want to be complimented? And I don't know why you guys can get this in your head. We don't, unless we like you and we're with you already. We don't need the validation. I know it takes away like half your job on earth, but you've got to reorient what it is to be a man. You don't need to walk around complimenting women. That's not one of your jobs. So go find another job. <laughs> go compliment squirrels or something. Um, anyway, so my point with these apps is my therapist was like, there's going to be a ton of divorces from COVID. I'm like, I get that, but that's not all. Like divorce is fucking a mess, right? And you don't necessarily want someone who's like just divorced. Like I'm saying that from my experience, I was not altogether there mentally right after my divorce. It was such a harrowing experience 
But my point is, my therapist was like, oh, there's going to be a ton of COVID divorces. I go, okay. She goes, I go, but you're not understanding something. I live in LA and like, I don't want to shit on LA. It's not like whenever anyone thinks it's this like town of pretty people and no one eats and everyone's gorgeous. It's really not. Especially if you look at television now, like there's ugly people on TV. <laughs> They're allowed on TV now. There's normal people, all shapes and sizes. LA is literally just like anywhere else. There is this upper echelon of douche. But like, it's just like with any city, whatever the stereotype is of that city, those people hang together in their stereotype and we never have to see them. You know what I mean? It's like if someone thought New York City was just like all about Wall Street, like that's on Wall Street and you never see, you know what I mean? I mean, you kind of do see those people everywhere now, but that's a bad example, but whatever. Okay. But in general, like men go through different anxieties and insecurities than women at their ages. And I'm not like bashing men. I'm just saying that men have a different anxiety than women. And this is just a total overgeneralization, but I'm talking about dating apps. So I think I can overgeneralize because we are dealing with like, it's not the alternative sections of society. It's not necessarily the artists or the weirdos or, you know, like it is a general, it's like general basic average people on these things. I'm, I'm including myself. So most guys newly out of a divorce in their 40s and 50s do not want a woman their age. And, and that they're wrong. They should, but they don't. A lot of times they want to go younger. They just want fun. They've equated people their own age with being too complicated. Or they never started a family and they want to start one. So they go with someone younger. Or they want a second family. I know guys in real life who have told me this. I see it. I see my friends who are divorced. I see that the women always end up single and the guys always end up dating a 30-year-old. I've seen it. I have zero examples of anything else. Zero. And I'm talking about more than 20 examples of real life. I know a guy in his 40s who had a kid and he didn't want to meet a woman in her 40s because he thought women don't have enough energy in their 40s. He needs someone younger to help with the kid. I'm not kidding. So my therapist goes, oh, you're wrong. Now, she's been married 15 years and only hangs out with other married people. She goes, all of my married friends and I, all the guys say, that if they were to get divorced, they wouldn't want someone younger because they've enjoyed like, you know, relating with someone their age and they're done with having kids. And I go, but you're, you're talking about married men who are happily married, guessing what they would be like if they were divorced. That doesn't count as giving me any kind of like when I was telling her, like, I'm getting off these apps, like I might fuck my act as if thing like this is just so depressing. She's like, no, no, no. I, and, and I'm like, but these guys aren't divorced and you don't know what they would be like because the divorce will rock them in a way that will cause them to act differently. Not bad or good. It just is. You can't say. I remember my husband and I used to say, if we ever get divorced, it will be amicable and we don't have anything anyway. We were just starting out in our lives and we, I mean, we were 35, but we weren't rich at all. And I said, we have nothing to fight over anyway. And so you know, financially or, or whatever. And so if we get divorced, you know, um, we, we, we had it all figured out. If we get divorced when we have nothing, it'll be amicable and it'll be just like a breakup, but marriage is a piece of paper. So we'll get that piece of paper 
signed by a judge and uh, changed and it all will be fine. It'll be painful, of course, but, you know, nothing more complicated than that. And then if we get divorced and we're old, 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 it'll just be like, oh, we're so old. Who cares? Um, And it will both be rich and everything will be fine. Well, we were wrong about everything. Even though my husband was not in love with me anymore either, he got so mad at me for asking for a divorce and for kind of moving on with my life during our separation that he fucking sued my ass up. (laughs) You have no idea how you're going to react. You have no idea. So I just, one of these things where I'm like, married people never understand. And I hate, like it, it hurts my ego that I am this like successful, attractive, cool person. And I'm talking about dating. Like what am I basic? Like this is so not the life I wanted. This is, I didn't want necessarily a relationship either. I don't know. I'm like ambivalent about everything, right? That's what I work on in therapy. So it's like, I'm not unhappy or like I want a man. It's not that, but I'm also just like, the world is made up of people who think like being in a relationship is the thing. So I do feel weird. Like it's just like, ugh. it's the, this is my therapy like every week. So my point is, you know, I will have a relationship again someday, but, um, I, I don't know. It is a weird world in your forties. It's a fucking weird world. And I, you can see why people like panic and grab someone in their thirties or twenties and just stay miserable. Like it, The stigma of being older and being single is so shitty, you know? And I think that there's like weird age pockets. Like I think it's almost easier like maybe in your 50s to meet someone. I I don't know. I mean, probably not. But like, you know, I'm just thinking of more like in the city, you know, like – I don't know. I just need to be out and about and having a life again. I think it's really hard to, oh, my whole point about that was it's hard to meet a 46 year old online because you don't think, oh, 46, like I look young. I am young. I'm, I'm young in spirit, whatever. You meet me in real life, you know, you kind of recalibrate whereas you might not look for me online. Right. And I don't mean me, Jen Kirkman, the comedian, but like a 46 year old woman online. So I don't know. It's all a mess. But um, I I never talk about that stuff online because I really can't tell you. I get so upset by the attention it generates from weird dudes. But I feel like I've got to talk to the women here. I've got to talk to the women here. I've got to talk to the people that do get it and stop hiding about it because it's, you know, I've changed so much in the past few years. Like I used to put my love life out there. That used to be my act and my podcast. And and now I'm just like, no, I don't want anyone to know anything about me. And so I just tell like little tiny things and like, you don't even know the whole story about all of this, but it's just, um, that's as much as I'm willing to share right now. So there you go. Um, oh God. I just, the whole point of that story was to make fun of my therapist and her weird theory about based on married men who are happily married and what they think they would do if they were divorced. I think more dudes would go the Alec Baldwin route. Like how many families has that guy started? He's on like his second wife. He's got like three kids under the age of five. I don't know. I think guys deal with their mortality differently. Like women get interested in more things and they start expanding their worlds. I think because we're still run by the patriarchy in that sense that like even someone like me who was raised like post-feminist movement like I still didn't grow up like really thinking I could do whatever I wanted so I get more free as I get older and men get more like I want security and I want the kid and I want the wife you know 
I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm just telling you the, the straight pun intended truth. So anyway, um, I, uh, oh, but speaking of relationships, Hallmark had their very first gay movie. Now there was actually, there was one, this was being like, well, it wasn't being flaunted by them. Not, not flaunted. That's a word that makes it sound like it, it's bad, but they weren't like a very special Hallmark. We've got gays now. Like they didn't do that, but it was sort of the whisper among those of us who watch Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh my God, this one is about two guys trying to adopt a kid. And, but there was another Hallmark movie that came out a week before it that was just about something totally different. It was like this girl, I forget what it was, but you know, girl meets boy, city, country, whatever. But this girl's best friend was a woman and they're at the coffee shop and her best friend says something about having a crush on the coffee shop owner, who's another woman. So there was this like side lesbian plot, but it was really small and just kind of like, I did it. I asked her out. Oh my God, we're going on a date. I'm a surgeon and she works in a coffee shop. You know, it was just sort of that. And I was like, oh, no one's talking about this. And then, so then the gay guy movie. Now this movie, it was so interesting because there were 19 plots and really the whole movie was not about the two gay guys. It was about a guy who's an actor whose TV show gets canceled at Christmas and he's back home with his family and his high school girlfriend is next door and they're going to, you know, refall in love. And his parents are also, it's called the Christmas house. His parents are after all these years doing what they call the Christmas house. So basically they have a house and they empty it all out. They put all the furniture in moving trucks and put it in storage. And then they turn the whole house, the whole first floor into this walk-through Christmas house with all kinds of animatronics and things going. And it's all lit up on the outside. And it just becomes this tourist attraction. So we've got the guy who's the actor. His show is getting canceled at Christmas. Back home visiting his family. High school girlfriends there. They're getting back together. Parents are redoing the Christmas house. All hands on deck. Everyone needs to help. And the parents are also retiring and having some growing pains. And so they're getting separated. And then also there's a gay guys. It's like they had to pad the gay movie with so much other shit. <laughs> that it was. So it was like the guy who's the actor has a brother and that brother has a husband. So all the boys came home, but really in every scene, if you didn't know what was going on, you'd be like, oh, it's three brothers, you know? And so the two gay guys are adopting a baby, but they're really, there's no action there. They're just saying, we're waiting on an agency. And then at one point, the brother, the actor is like, blah, blah, my show was canceled. And then his gay brother is like, listen, you don't even know the hardship I've been through. We've tried to adopt three times and three adoptions have fallen through, you know, not because they're gay, but just because adoptions fall through, right? So there's this one moment where the two guys are talking about it and they kiss. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't think that was going to happen. And then at the end, they get their news that they're going to get a baby. And then kind of the closing credits, 
they show snapshots of, you know, what's going to be the next year. And like they have the kid. So, I mean, it's fine. I guess like in the future, you know, to have just this casual side plot of gay characters is is great and is progress. But it the, the movie was not in any way about two gay guys adopting a kid. So I was kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, it's still the same. There's like 19 plots in this one. It was so obvious how many more plots there were in this movie that had gay guys in it than any other movie. Like 50, each movie could have been its own plot. Each plot could have been its own movie, in other words. But I watched it, and uh, so there you go. I mean, they're making progress, you know, slowly but surely. They're making progress. So what else can I talk to you about this week? I feel like I'm not getting to anything I wanted to talk about. Oh, my God. Well, I'll read listener emails. So I'm watching, and I don't even, I don't even know why I'm bringing this up because I'm not done watching it, but... I'm watching uh, this documentary called The Mystery of D.B. Cooper. It's on HBO Max. I How did I never... Just to, like speaking of airplanes, you know, because we talked... Was it last week or two weeks ago about... It was two weeks ago about the uh, famous flight that I, again, had never heard of where the pilot gets sucked out of the cockpit and he lived. I, I've gotten your emails about it where you're like, thanks, you've ruined flying for me forever. Sorry, you guys. This one is so fascinating because... This is about a guy who hijacked, and everybody lived, who hijacked a plane in 1971 in Portland, Oregon, and wanted $200,000, and then he parachuted off the plane, and they never found him. So I don't know if he died. There's, there's a bunch of people claiming to be him. There's way more than three suspects. They interview all the families of the suspects. One guy on his deathbed said to his wife, I'm D.B. Cooper. So it's really fascinating, but it's frustrating because it's an unsolved mystery. But I guess, you know, it happened in 1971. So the point is, it's a lot of recreations of airplanes because one of the, the stewardess, who that's what she was called at the time, who... um really handled this whole hijacking. She sat next to him. He said, I have a bomb and I have these demands and I want you to sit next to me and I'm going to tell you the demands and, you know, whatever. So she spent the whole flight next to him. They circled for two hours as, you know, she somehow got the message to the pilots who got it to ground control. I I don't know um, what his demands were, but the, the whole point I'm making is, they do this whole reenactment where she's sitting next to the hijacker and he's smoking a cigarette and he's ashing it. Oh, airplane seat arms used to have ashtrays built into them. That's how much smoking was normal. Not only were you allowed to smoke on flights, there was an ashtray in the armrest. God, it was a better time. So he's smoking and he's ashing in the armrest and, and they're drinking cocktails in real glasses. And I'm just like, it's, it's, it's airline porn for people like me who, I, I feel so lucky to be Gen X because I got to see the old world. I got to still live in the old timey world. And I swear to God, I don't, stop and think enough about how 
fast everything changed in my lifetime to where I've seen so many things go obsolete. It does take a toll on your psychology in a different way than being born in the 90s does. It just does. And it's really weird because I feel like I'm 100 sometimes and sometimes I feel like I'm 20. But the just to not even have planes anymore that have ashtrays that is crazy to me. But I saw old-fashioned planes like that. I saw planes with ton where coach back in the 80s was like first class now. You know, I I was on those flights. It's crazy. I sat in the smoking section of an airplane. I saw real glassware. I saw planes with spiral staircases. That used to be the first class up there sitting and you could just sit at a bar. That's like a flight to Australia now. There's like a little bar and there's a staircase, but that's like first class on a 17-hour flight. I would just on little dinky Eastern Airlines going from Boston to Orlando. Even three of the airlines I used to fly don't even exist. It's crazy. Anyway, so I, I can't vouch for the whole movie because I've only watched the first 25 minutes and I went to bed, so I'm going to finish watching it tonight. But it just, oh my God, it was, if any of you are airplane dorks, you'll love it. But it just reminded me that hijacking was such a thing when I was growing up. And one of the experts being interviewed from the FBI said, yeah, no, hijacking was like the thing in the 70s. Basically, no planes went to Cuba back then, right? So people would hijack planes and say, fly to Cuba. And then the plane, no one would get killed. And then like the plane would fly back and everyone would have a drink and a cigar. It was like this weird story he told like, oh yeah, planes got hijacked all the time, but the passengers loved it. You know, they, (laughs) they got rerouted for a minute and then, you know, they landed in Cuba, did their business and then the hijacker would leave and we'd we'd fly back and everyone would uh, get a free drink. (laughs) It's like, that sounds kind of fun. It wasn't until 9-11 when the hijacking got serious. It used to be, it used to be fun before 9-11 when they had to fly it into a building. Ah, there you go. 9-11 reference, classic of this podcast. So I was going to read this article from the New York Times, the case for, (coughs) the case for doing nothing. I'll read that next week. I think that's something we should all just embrace is doing nothing. I think it's so healthy for us. Um, But I'll talk about it next week. So let's read listener emails. In the ongoing segment, things that annoy you that aren't a big deal. Someone wrote, Jen, here's a few. Calling pizza a pie. Let's get a couple of pies from Antonio's. Not sure why this bugs me. It's just wrong in the descriptor. I guess like the pizza is going to be two inches tall and filled with stuff. Gross. I'm also not crazy about calling a piece of pizza a slice. I think of a slice as very thin and cut vertically. A slice of cheese, a slice of watermelon. Pieces of cake are too wide to be slices. Pieces of pizza are too flat to be slices. Oh my God, this is specific. And wash down, disgusting. Just a slice today? Or how about a whole pie washed down with... I can't think of any drink phrases that really bug me. Maybe beverage. Beverage sounds something like you bite into, not drink. Or maybe it sounds more like a verb than a noun. And later, of course, how's everything tasting? Bless you for tweeting about that a year ago or so. I was mortified to see that it was a server in my dumb city that had said that to you. 
I hadn't said it as a server in ages, and I thought no one was saying it anymore. But that's how I found out you were in town. So I went to see your show. <laughs> this is funny. I remember this. I was in Toronto, and I was tweeting how annoying it is when people say, how's everything tasting? But I didn't say the server said it. It was just some weird thing. And then someone figured out where I was and that their friend was waiting on me because their friend was telling them I'm waiting on Jen Kirkman or something like that. But everyone in every town all over the world says, how's everything tasting? It's the new thing. I fucking hate it. But it wasn't really specific to this waitress. Anyway, um, and everyone is, she says, uh, hearing that at my First blissful pandemic patio dinner in July made me realize how good I had at staying at home. It's okay to say my name on the air if you read this. Well, I didn't include her name in in it, so. Um, Hey, JK, here's a main thing that irks me, pisses me off, or boils my blood when it shouldn't. People who do not respect the one-way aisles in grocery stores. Now, I know I can do curbside pickup, but the majority of my time, my brain is so frazzled that I don't really know what I want or I need until I'm walking down the aisles. I become so incensed when people go the wrong way down a one-way aisle that I find myself going to grocery stores miles out of my way that don't do one-way aisles. People who go willy-nilly down the aisles in those stores don't bother me. Only the ones with explicitly marked and dedicated one-way aisles. Jonathan, I have never heard of a one-way grocery aisle. Anyone else? What is it? I've never heard of that. Um, I seem fun at gmail.com. If you want to email me about everything, please don't email me. Uh, people have been emailing me unsolicited medical advice. Um, I do not have sinus issues. I told the story of my sphenoid sinus. It was uh, dangerously clogged. It can actually affect your brain, and you do need surgery if it's clogged. It had been clogged for 10 years. Please don't tell me there were holistic remedies for that. There weren't. Um, I had been suffering with it for many, many years. It can cause brain issues. Um, I casually mentioned on the podcast that my um, surgeon said to me, sometimes the issue can come back, but uh, he is definitely not trying to do surgery on me. The issue is not back. I had a cold a couple weeks ago. I found it shocking that I could catch a cold when I've been you know, basically uh, sheltering in place as often as possible and wearing masks and washing my hands everywhere I went. Um, I am fine now. It's also because I uh, have acid reflux. And when I drink wine or eat red sauce, I put myself at risk for my acid reflux issues, which causes post-nasal drip. So Um, please, everybody, please stop sending me sinus remedies. I have never had a sinus issue in my life. I had surgery on a sphenoid sinus that is different. Dear God, please, I don't even tell all the details of my life on this. It is a waste of everyone's time to send me medical advice. Dear God, please, please just let the podcast be entertaining. Okay, thank you. Uh, Jen, here's what sends me straight to irritation nation lately. People on TV radio or podcast that have to stop and swallow and gasp for breath between every sentence. Oh God, I probably do that. Also, I'm sure that you have no idea what Life is Beautiful is about. I urge you to watch it. In Italian with subtitles, it's way better. It's not at all what you think. It's an amazing film that's not at all about a guy surviving the Holocaust and singing. Love your show, Bobby. Uh, Bobby, I have seen Life is Beautiful You know, on this podcast, I go into a zone and I talk off the top of my head and I start talking really fast and I don't know what I'm saying. I was making a comparison about just the general generalization of the Roberto Benigni life is beautiful oeuvre, which is like, it's still a movie about the Holocaust. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. And it's, it's about inspiring in a tough time. And I was just saying, 
people who are going on vacations during the pandemic should not be this Roberto Benini life is beautiful type. They should be Rosie the Riveter. And I did see the movie years and years ago. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I probably won't watch it again, but I definitely, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you guys come down hard and write some pretty harsh things. You don't know what this is about. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think a lot of you have not still caught on to how my mind works and doesn't work. I'm going at a mile a minute here. I don't even remember what I'm saying after I say it. And if you're like, well, then don't do a podcast. This might not be the podcast for you. Um, Jen. Um, anyway, what? Oh, Jen, I was listening to my Audible and came across this podcast news issue. It's about donor 9623. I'm not sure if you've heard about him or this case, but apparently... This guy donated sperm under false pretenses, and then like 36 people used his sperm only to find out he has schizophrenia and other mental health issues. My main reason for writing is because I thought it could be an extra for Patreon, especially because it made me feel so happy to be child-free as I would never fall into this trap. How terrifying. Eileen. Thank you, Eileen. Um, my Patreon, you know, that sounds like more like something I talk about on the regular podcast, um, so I might look into that and, and look it up if I feel a connection to it. Um, but yeah, that is terrifying. And that's what Jeffrey Epstein, you know, wanted to do. He wanted to, he wanted to impregnate like a ton of people as a sperm donor and make this like whatever fucking weird, uh, white nationalist bullshit he wanted to do. Um, Hi, Jen. Have you watched Holiday Home Makeover with Mr. Christmas on Netflix? No, I haven't. I'm watching in Australia, but it's an American show, so surely you have it there too. I'd love to know your thoughts on some of the decorating choices. I'm watching episode three right now, My Big Fat Italian Christmas, and they're creating a snowy, military-themed Christmas tree decorated with rolled-up copies of the Constitution. (laughs) Is this bizarre, or is there a rush on Constitution scrolls alongside those sparkly trees at Trader Joe's that you guys rush out to buy for your holiday decor? Seems a bit weird, but I know everyone's fun is different. Kate, I have personally never seen, but I'm not from a military family, and I'm not from a particularly conservative family, um, even if they're conservatives in my family. We don't combine patriotism with Christmas. Um, And I've always said there's an episode of this podcast going back years where I'm like, someday Christmas is going to turn into some salute to the troops and there's going to be fireworks. And I see America going that way. I think most people who are obsessed with the Constitution have never actually fucking read it. I know some people have, but I just have a feeling these families scrolling it up and putting it in the tree. I mean, dork city. If you're in Philadelphia and it's like, at, at the, uh, you know, where the Constitution was, sure, put, put, but <laughs> I think that would make me crazy. Um, you know, Christmas is a religious holiday, and I don't even, like, honor the religious part of it. So, to me, it's certainly not about America either. Um, to me, it's just about lightness in a time of dark. I don't know. God bless everyone. I probably won't watch that show. I'm really picky about what I watch. Like if I fall into something, I'm not that into, 
I might be into decorating, but I'm not so much into decorating shows per se as I am in like following designers on Instagram or reading books about it or something. You know, like I just can't stand the people on the decorating shows and I, I, they just, they just drive me crazy. Um, like the family, I, I don't know. There's just something about how hokey everything has to be and the fake, the fake outs. And, oh my God, they're coming home in 10 minutes. No, they're not. They're not. You finished this in plenty of time. I just can't get with it. But um, there you go. Anyway. Uh Jen, I'm a longtime listener and I really love your podcast, especially when you talk about people being annoying and stupid. I'd like to share a funny story, though, about the type of customer service experiences I have in Taiwan that would seem bizarre to listeners back home. I've been living abroad in Taipei for several years, and there are many little things that I thought were cute and different when I first moved here. But at this point, it can be hilariously ridiculous. For example, Chinese medicine is a big part of life here, and people often give unsolicited advice on my health based on the beliefs of Chinese medicine. One really big one is that drinking cold liquids is very bad for your health. It really, okay, this is Jen interrupting. It really is. I'm so into Chinese medicine. So I love this email and I sent it to my acupuncturist. Um, uh, he, probably the most American thing about me is that I need ice in my drink and lots of it. I hate drinking warm water, which is usually all that's available at many offices, businesses, and restaurants. When I go to Starbucks, I always ask for extra ice in my iced tea or coffee, because if I don't, they will only put about three ice cubes in the drink. Once, the barista, who had gotten familiar with me since I was a regular, shouted to me across the counter, are you on your period right now? In front of a long line of morning customers on their way to work. I was shocked and asked why she wanted to know, and she informed me that cold drinks are especially bad for women who are menstruating. Hope you enjoy the little anecdote, and thank you so much for keeping the podcast coming and delivering such great content. I really respect your voice and appreciate all that you share on the show. Happy holidays, Kayla. Thanks, Kayla. Well, it's so funny. I don't mean to be like, no, actually. But my acupuncturist, who is an American man, studies with this old Chinese woman, and he's always like, you know... uh, if I've had back issues, like his teacher always says, ice is for dead people. You know, like being cold is really not. And and what's interesting is I actually think I caught a cold from sitting outside on my deck in like 38 degree weather a few weeks ago. And, uh, and so like having the window open at night is really bad. You know, this again is Chinese medicine, but yeah, being cold and women's menstrual cycle is a thing. And my acupuncturist said that he was with his teacher once she just yelled at these girls out the window who were walking around in flip-flops and she's like you're gonna have a difficult period this month because when your feet are cold it's bad for your menstrual cycle and so it's just very funny because I'm uh I'm always wearing warm things like I always keep my feet warm I drink warm water I I hate ice in anything I don't have anything iced I hate cold liquid and so I think it's kind of funny that I've naturally am drawn to this kind of thing and then learning about it in acupuncture by going um I really subscribe to it but uh I just think that's funny what's really interesting is if I'm like bad 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 hungover like the type you get like once a year. I crave soda with ice, like a fountain soda, like a Coke, not diet with ice. I don't know what that is. Um, and then, you know, who has access to that when they're hungover? 
So I don't know what that sentence meant. You can get that anywhere. But I usually don't want to get up and go to 7-Eleven if I'm hungover. What a great story. Tell us more. You'll have to wait until next week. Oh, my goodness. And again, join the Patreon if you want some bonuses. Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Thanks, guys, for being here. If you have any comments, iceteamfun at gmail.com. You know what to not write me about. And uh, until next week, have fun. Have fun.